0: Thank you, thank you. All right, sit down, sit down, because I got stuff to say today. Um, Thank you, thank you for that. And I feel like Joshua and Jason, you teed me up, so I appreciate that. I wrote what I'm about to share about 10 years ago, and every couple of years I get an opportunity to share it. Um, And I always question, should I? And Gail Weinhold's voice is always in the back of my head saying, yes, you should. She always encourages me to share this. And so I want to share it with you today, because when people ask me, why do you stay at North Central? This is my answer, what I'm about to share, because we get to do this. So there's a fairly common quote in the field of education that goes, education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. It's been used so often we might even call it cliched. And the quote has been attributed probably incorrectly to the great Irish poet William Butler Yeats. And even with its likely incorrect attribution, it is often used in the discussion of teaching. I've seen it emblazoned on bookmarks and tote bags and mugs and other teacherly memorabilia and perhaps with a fairly good reason. The imagery used here illustrates the heart of many teachers, revealing their desire to ignite passion and interest in the hearts of students, and to give their students something that goes beyond knowledge. We've heard a lot about that today. You see, to educate is not just to give facts, but empowerment. To ensure that all students can take the knowledge they've been given and use it effectively, use it for the common good, we often hear. At North Central, though, I believe I can speak on behalf of the entire faculty when I say, we desire that you all, our students, will go beyond using your knowledge and skills for the common good. We desire that you use them for the glory of God. We teach and mentor with the hope that all students find knowledge and skills empowered by the Holy Spirit. In our Pentecostal context then, this educational fire that Yates and others have spoken of becomes a holy fire. One that we desire to burn bright in you and to be used as a tool for building the kingdom of God no matter what vocation you go into or degree you walk away with when you leave here. To that end, my address today is entitled, How Then Will You Use This Fire? I ask this question because it's one I've had to answer at various points in my own life. I've wrestled with on occasion what it means to have an education. In my own arrogance, I've desired for my education to be seen, for it to make me respected. And one day in the midst of that struggle, God spoke to me more clearly than I've ever heard him before and revealed to me this, education is a tool on your belt, not a feather in your cap. That metaphor was life-changing for me. It has shaped how I view not only my education, but my classroom and my students. This tool of education is a gift from God, designed to bring him glory and to better prepare us to advance the kingdom. And the beauty of this is that it's also a tool that can be continually sharpened, a tool that will, if you desire, become better with time as you become lifelong learners. And the more I've studied and understood the tools that God gives us, the more I realize just how powerful education can really be. So equating it to fire, also considered a tool, reveals the weight of responsibility that falls on those who use it. Education, like fire, is a dangerously powerful thing. Author G.K. Chesterton said of fire, It is the most startling of all material things. It embodies all that is human in a man's hearths and all that is divine on his altars. But there is about this generous and rejoicing thing an alien and awful quality, the quality of torture. Its presence is life. Its touch is death. Fire is the essence of nearly all ritual To burn something, to make a blaze, is one of the most natural outcomes of a strong conviction of any sort. Chesterton points out here the unique nature of fire. Humanity has long been captivated by fire. How many of you, this summer, found yourselves sitting around a fire? Maybe you sat there laughing, crying, or just silently mesmerized by the flames. Fire brings us together, not only for its life-giving qualities the ability to stay warm and cook food, but also for its ability to inflict cruelty. Chesterton shows us that fire can bring either life or death, depending on how it's used. Now, as a dutiful English teacher, I would be remiss not to point out that fire is often used in literature, particularly biblical literature, because it is a strong symbol of how power is exercised. And it's used as a symbol of God's power, as well as the presence of the Holy Spirit. God appeared to Moses as a burning bush, he led the Israelites out of Egypt by a pillar of fire, and on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire came to rest on God's people. But fire also represents God's wrath. Hell is likened to a lake of fire. In many places in scripture, fire is used to destroy sin. Education, like fire, is a powerful tool, but one that must be used appropriately Or, like fire, it may cause destruction. So, back to that question how then will you use this fire? Will you wield it as a holy fire or a destructive one? I would suggest two guiding principles for us today to help us understand what it means when God gives us a holy fire. The first principle is that holy fire is meant to bring truth. But first, we have to ask what is truth? My English majors are annoyed with me already for asking them that again. But truly, this question, what is truth, has caused much debate throughout the years. And an array of answers is available to you. One author said, what is truth? A mobile army of metaphors, metonyms, and anthropomorphisms. In short, a sum of human relations which have been enhanced, transposed, and embellished poetically and rhetorically, and which after long use seem firm canonical and obligatory to people. Truths are illusions about which one has forgotten what is. that is what they are. Metaphors which are worn out without sensuous power, coins which have lost their pictures and now matter only as metal, no longer as coins. That quote is from the author Friedrich Nietzsche, and it speaks to the sense that many have this day and age that truth can only be found within oneself." and not in any sort of transcendent meaning, such as from God. Truth, for Nietzsche and so many others, is an illusion. And that 19th century German philosopher may seem very far removed from us today, but it's not difficult to see his influence on our line of thinking. The idea that every person has his or her own truth is pervasive. And on some level, too, this may resonate for us, because we all do have different experiences of the world— I think that so often, when people say we all have our own truth, what they really mean is everyone has his or her own experience. But truth goes beyond our experience. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And while Jesus has revealed himself to us as the ultimate reality and truth of this world, this world does offer us alternatives to that truth. But holy fire has a way of revealing truth in the midst of these alternatives. In 1 Kings 18, the prophet Elijah must confront the Israelites in their worship of Baal. And he challenges them because they've been wavering. They've been not faithful to God, but also not fully committed to Baal. And they vacillate back and forth and back and forth. And Elijah asks them, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Elijah has pointed out that when the Israelites do not make a choice, they injure themselves. And when the Israelites are stupefied and cannot answer him, Elijah throws down the gauntlet. The duel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal is set in that chapter, and the ground rules are laid. The field of battle is selected, an altar will be laid for each god with a sacrifice. The spectators gather to see this. The weapons are their prayers to their gods, and they're aimed and ready. And the contest is frenzied as one of the prophets of Baal scramble to build their altar, and they call fervently on their God, and Elijah waits. How will the victor, the one whom the Israelites will serve, be chosen? The scripture says the God who answers by fire, he is God. But the prayers from the 450 prophets of Baal bring no result, not even a spark. And Elijah, in what could be seen as a great act of almost excessive pride, orders his altars to be drenched in water, not once, but three times. And in contrast to the 450 prophets of Baal and all their zealous prayers to their God, this one prophet of the Lord offers a simple prayer. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then scripture goes on to tell us, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Holy fire reveals truth. It is a refining fire that seeks to purge impurity, and the holy fire of education should be one that seeks to reveal God's truth. Elijah encountered confusion and lies in the prophets of Baal, but these lies were presented in a very elaborate and often very enticing way, as deceit so often is. You will encounter this too, and maybe you already have. Maybe it's in the workplace or through a personal relationship. You will meet people who bring falsehood disguised as truth, and they will ask you to worship at the altars they've created. And like Elijah, it will be up to you to petition God, to ask for discernment on what to do. But know also, Elijah was cunning. He was keenly aware of the situation in which he found himself He asked the prophets of Baal not to put any fire under their altar, so they could not cheat. He poured water on his own altar so no one could accuse him of starting the blaze on his own. And in the same way, you will be challenged to use the knowledge and critical thinking skills you will learn here at North Central, guided by the Holy Spirit, to bring truth and light into the situations you face. This will not be easy. Bringing truth never is There will be times when you feel that you are one voice against 450. But rest assured, because the fire is one you need not light on your own. When we are obedient to God, he lights the flame. The second principle is that a holy fire is always meant to be shared. Fire is a really interesting element. There's nothing else quite like it in that sharing it never decreases it. Consider that when you light a candle, the flame on the match does not get smaller. In fact, sharing fire oftentimes makes it stronger. Wildfires can spread at about 14 miles an hour and fire can take on a life of its own, finding ways to keep itself alive and flourish despite all efforts to vanquish it. The embers that spark off of a fire serve to keep it growing and a raging blaze is difficult to quell because fire wants to be spread and shared. This is something we think of in a negative way because it's very dangerous and it destroys whole cities and forests, but it also can be a beautiful image of something that is so great and powerful it cannot help but be shared. And we see this in Jeremiah 20, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. The prophet Jeremiah has been put to prison for speaking truth. Publicly, Jeremiah has been very bold He's prophesied of Babylon's captivity, and he's been met with mocking and jeering. But privately, in his prison cell, he laments, and he blames God for deceiving him even. He wishes that he would no longer have to prophesy. But he quickly realizes that trying to give up the call to truth is impossible. Jeremiah 20, 7 through 9 says, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. The holy fire of education is meant to be shared. God has given you this opportunity as a gift to receive an education that is not just about knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It is about knowledge and skills, not about knowledge and skills for the sake of reputation. This education you're receiving is about knowledge and skills for the sake of Christ. So how will you share this holy fire? As you consider this today, remember... The fire of God also provides guidance and encouragement. As with the burning bush that spoke to Moses and the pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of Egypt, God is often described with images of fire when he reveals himself to his people. And in these revelations, we find a God who not only reveals his greatness and truth, but who gives his people the encouragement and guidance that they need. Our God is one who always cares for his people well. When he calls you students to impossible situations, as he did with Moses, he says, I will be with you. And when he leads you across treacherous terrain, he will provide the light of his glory to guide you. Students today, I pray that God would give you the confidence and cunning of Elijah and would ignite the education you are receiving as a holy fire, a fire that would be used to bring truth and light into places of deceit and darkness. I pray that this fire would burn bright in you so fiercely that you would feel it shut up in your bones and you would be unable to keep it to yourself. But most of all, I pray that it would be a fire that you use not to shine light on yourselves, but to illuminate the glory of God and his goodness. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen? Amen. Now I get the privilege of introducing our fearless Holy Spirit led leader President Hagen.